Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. If you got your Bible, please turn with me to Luke 15. I don't know if you remember, quite a few weeks ago, for those who um, were here, uh, when Kami came to the stage, um, he, he brought this word to the church, and he said to the church, I feel God is leading us into the Luke 15 time, a moment where he's saying, go to the highways and the byways, I'll call people, do not make any excuse. And I felt, and as an eldership team, we felt very strongly that God was speaking to us about this for the future, particularly in this coming year and later on into this new decade. And I just want to lead us in that, into that. But I just want to say, before we go into the Word, is there anyone who's here for the first time? We, we, we asked earlier, and um, it, it was very early on, we didn't get... And in anyone who's never been part of City Hill before, who's never been here, but is here for the first time. If that's you, can you slip up your hand? We just want to welcome you. Brilliant. That's great. That's great. I just want to say welcome to City Hill. It's lovely to have you here. Uh, immediately after this meeting, we, have, you, you, we invite you to come and join us in our lounge. As you come out those doors, go to the far left. You'll see there's a lounge over there and there'll be people um, waiting to welcome you in the lounge to answer your questions, talk to you. We want to get to know you a little bit more. Welcome, even as we enjoy the words together. Luke 15. Sorry, Luke 14, verse 15. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things that Jesus was saying, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to, ex to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there's room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste the banquet. Father, we thank you for your word. Even as we bring your word now, I pray that you come and enrich us through the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me just give you quickly historical background and context to the story. And you got to realize 
who is with Jesus at this time as Jesus is talking about this at this banquet. Jesus is invited by the Pharisees to a banquet, and it's a beautiful one. There's a lovely spread, and Jesus is sitting there. He'd been confronting them to not assume and sit at the highest seats or the most special seats, but um, to let those who are invited, so those who are low to be seated at the best seats, to not just assume a place of importance at the banquet. Now it comes to a time where he's confronting them, but he's using this parable to confront their hearts, which means a Pharisaic heart that is hostile to God and to the gospel. But actually, there's a, there's a story behind this, and that is Jesus is talking here to the Jews. He is saying to the Jews, hey, the Jewish nation, hey, Israel, do you know what? God has this great banquet that awaits all who believe at the end of time. And this is the, most, the greatest banquet that everyone has been waiting for, where we're going to sit and we're going to feast with God. It is there in Isaiah 25, particularly from verse 6 till verse 9. You can go and read it. Perhaps we can read it towards the end. And he's saying, that banquet that you've been talking about, you've been reading about, is coming. And then he says, but the problem is, all along, throughout history, God has been sending prophets to go out to gather Israel to say, come Israel and enjoy the banquet with me. But you have made many excuses, and that's why you're not part of the banquet. And he say, Israel has made many excuses. And how did they make excuses? They killed prophets. They didn't want to hear anything from the prophets. And they mistreated them. Some of them, they threw them in the pit. They did all kinds of things. And that's why they ended up in exile. That's why they ended up in slavery. And he's saying, you have Israel made many excuses over the history. And the last prophet that I'm sent to you is John the Baptist. A few years ago, what did you do? You, you disagreed disregarded him. You didn't want to hear from him. But now, what the father is doing is that the banquet is still on. Now, what the father is going to do is he is going to invite the cripple, the poor, the lame. And who are the crippled, the poor, the lame? They are not the spiritual people. Do you know who they are? Within Israel, they are the tax collectors. They are the lepers. They are the prostitutes. They are the sort of people that... If they were to come and sit at this banquet, the Pharisees will say, you are not welcome here. And Jesus is saying, they are the ones who are going to be invited at the end of time when there's this banquet that God is organizing. And he says, oh, by the way, it's not just them. I'm also going to call people from the highways and the byways who are going to come and who are going to enjoy. Who are those? The Gentiles, which is us. Those who would say, Seriously, I don't know anything about the banquet, but somehow I seem to be invited. So that's kind of like the background of the story that Jesus is talking about here. Does it make sense? Brilliant. But now let's bring it to context, which means let's talk about what it looks like for us now. Because it's all well and good to talk about the historical context of what Jesus would have meant to those who were listening to him, who were hearing him. But let's talk about what it means for us now. And I just want to bring you to three things and I just want to focus on what Jesus says when he says, fill my house. That's what I'm going to focus on. Fill my house with those from the highways and the byways. And that's a call for us from God to say, let's fill City Hill from the highways and the byways. Does that make sense? And now, three things 
The first one I want to look at is the guest list number one. The lame excuses that we are getting from guest list number one. The second that I want to look at is the master's inv invitation, the master's response, particularly to guest list number, number one. And then, lastly, I'm going to look at guest list number three, number two, sorry. Guest list number one, lame excuse, master's response to guest list number one. And then, number three, I'm going to look at guest list number two. It's all confusing, guest list number three, number two. But anyway, you know where we are going. Guest list number one. Who are these people? These are people who have the privilege of the kingdom of God. They already know the truth. They already know what it looks like to follow God. They already have been presented with the privileges of the kingdom of God. God has somehow revealed himself to them, and somehow they're still hostile to him. Do you know what that reminds me of? Do you know what that looks like? It looks very much like those who say to God, in this place, I am so glad I belong to God. I'm saved by grace. I made a decision one day to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But to be honest with you, this Christianity thing, following Jesus stuff, it's a bit too much for me. I'm not so sure I want to do that. Hey, I'm guaranteed a future in God because I'll be sitting at the banquet at the end of history. I'm going to be with Jesus. That's all I want. All I want is just to know that one day when all of this is wrapped up, I will be with Jesus at the end of time. But as for now, I'm too busy, actually. I'm too, church stuff. No, 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 no. I can't, I can't do that. Basically, what they're saying is that, Jesus, I do love you. But you're not at the top of my priorities. I have other things that have occupied me and have taken my number one spot that I'm busy with right now. And by the way, we'll catch up one day in the future. And you know what? That's what the city offers. The city will squeeze you to a point where worship, prayer, fellowship with brothers and sisters, there just is no time anymore. Why? Because your time is just so full with all kinds of priorities that before you know it, you are being squeezed and squeezed and squeezed into a corner to a point that even when you come in the morning, you just come to show your face. Why? Because you are squeezed so hard that your priorities are so bad. And even to a point that you can make lots of excuses. And by the way, these are good excuses if you look at it. The first excuse is, they're good, but if you go deeper, they're not. But anyway, they, who's going to say to someone, go, don't go and look at your, the field that you've just bought and work out what the field looks like? Nobody's going to say that because it makes, makes sense for you to buy a field. But historically, historically, you cannot buy a field without looking at it. You wouldn't do it. Which means this is an excuse because the, the person would have seen the field before they bought it, especially in the Middle East, in a very dry place, you don't buy a field. What if someone has sold you a, a couple of dunes and say, okay, this is your field, go and harvest it. There's no way you're going to buy a field without looking at it. It's an excuse, and it's a, it's a terrible excuse. But let me ask you, City Hill, what is your excuse? Of not following God, not serving God wholeheartedly, not putting Him as your number one spot, no fellowshipping with the believers. Well, you know what I think it is? Because you are saying, I'm safe. I prayed a prayer. I crossed the line of faith. I don't need God now. 
There's a difference between someone who's crossed the line of faith and someone who's a follower of Christ. Someone who's just crossed the line of faith, is just, it means they just made a decision to, I want to follow Jesus Christ, but really I don't want to live for him. But someone who's actually a Christ follower is someone who says, every day of my life, I'm going to make decisions that are centered around Jesus Christ. And as I wake up in the morning, I'm going to consider Jesus first. Regarding my work, regarding my career, regarding my, my, my upbringing, regarding my children, regarding my marriage, regarding my everything, Jesus is going to come first. And I'm going to take up my cross because this is what this is about. What follows thereafter is Jesus saying, you can't be my disciple if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying Christianity involves Standing up, following Jesus, taking steps, and not having no excuse. It means following Jesus radically. Someone reminded me last week and said, you do realize your captain is radical. I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, he asks us to not just cross the line of faith, but to take up our crosses and actually take steps daily, even when it's hard, and follow him. And I believe God is asking us, as we enter this new year, to not just say, I pray the prayer. I go to church when I feel like it, or when it's convenient, to say, hey, do you know what? Angels in heaven, when they look at your meeting, and they see the praises and worship that is happening in your midst, they say, wow, we wish we had that opportunity. Because when we come together like this, God is here. And when we fellowship together, God is here. And when we eat together, God is here. And when we pray for our loved ones, God is here. And when we minister to one another, God is here. When we cry together, God is here. Friends, no more excuses. We're not guest list number one, City Hill, are we? No more excuses. And by the way, you can give so many. I just got married. I bought five yoga of oxen. I need to go and check them. Who buys yoga of oxen and not check it first? How's your job? How's your family life? How are your priorities? Do you need to make some adjustments in your life? God is calling us to come to the banquet and make ourselves available for him. But it's interesting what the master's response. Number two, the master's response. What's the master's response? The master doesn't respond because really the master should be humiliated of what's just happened, isn't it? Because it humiliates someone. You organize a party, okay? Imagine you organize a party. You buy all everything you want, you, you want for the party. You get everything ready. Check on your list. There's about 50 people who are invited. And you call literally every one of them. And they say, we will be there. And by the way, can I bring some dessert? And you say, yes. And then some of the other person. And you say, oh, I've got it all covered. Starters, can I bring some salad? And you said, I've got it all covered. I've bought everything. And then the day of the party... You know on your guest list you have 25 or 50. And then you start calling them and literally everyone drops out. How are you going to feel? Let me ask you. You've got meat in the fridge and just about to go on a uh, braai, on a barbecue, and you've got everything ready. Come on, how would you feel? Rejected, angry, frustrated? 
Isn't that what the master is supposed to feel? But look at what, what the master does. The master, he turns anger into grace. What does he do? He gets humiliated. He gets angry. But actually, instead of just getting angry and retaliating, what does he do? His anger turns into something beautiful. Now he opens the door to all kinds of people. Now his grace, his arms are not just to the 50. His arms are for the whole village to come in. And he says, let everyone come in so that my house might be filled. That is the picture of the cross. Because on the cross, remember what happened? When God was rejected, when God was humiliated, when God was spat on, when it was the most humiliating time that would bring the wrath of God, the cup of the wrath of God upon this piece of wood where the blood of the Son of God was flowing from this piece of wood. And you're thinking, God is now angry. You turn to the other side of the cross and it speaks of resurrection. And with resurrection, the Gentiles are now invited to belong to the people of God. Now, because of this anger, grace is poured out upon all people who are now invited to come and taste at the banquet of God. And because of that, you and I, we did not deserve to be called, but somehow we are here we belong to Jesus, and we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus Christ. We weren't the ones who were up on the byways and the highways. We were the ones who were never going to be part of this. But somehow, by privilege and by virtue of the fact that the Son of God has died on the cross, we now get to be called children and God and sons of God. Do you see how the anger of God, can, the justice of God can turn to the grace of God? God's justice becomes his grace, and he brings everyone in who does not deserve mercy, now experiences mercy. Now, at the last day, who's going to be at the banquet? All of us are invited. That's the master's response. Number three, guest list number three. Jesus doesn't say, just ask them if they have time to come in. He says, go and talk to them and compel them to come in. Do you know this passage was misused, particularly in the early, um, by the church fathers who used to think it meant, even if you have to kill people so that they can convert to Christianity, do whatever you like. And I just want to say it doesn't mean that. The compelling here, it says, is, hey, you are going to be invited at the most amazing banquet in human history. And you're going to look into yourself, and you're going to see your sins, and you're going to see your dirt, and you're going to say, I don't deserve to be there. And the master is going to say, compel them and say, it's okay, come, you are invited to come and be with me. And the king is going to have a spread where he says, you too can be part of this banquet. God is asking and he's calling us to go to the byways of our city, to the highways of our city, to the lanes of our city, to compel people so that his house might be filled. Did you hear that? God is asking us not just to go. He's asking us as servants to go out to our city to compel people to come in to enjoy the banquet so that his house might be full.
What is your excuse? But he's not just asking us. God is asking us to co-host this banquet with him. When the people come, and when they come in from the highways and the byways, what kind of host are you going to be, City Hill? If someone walked through the door and they came in because they come from the highways and the byways, are you going to allow them to sit as a host in this meeting? Or are you going to say, I just wish this meeting will be a little bit more about me. I just wish that the master's focus will be more about me. No, God is not calling you to be about you. God is calling you to be a co-host with him so that he might reach our city together with you. And let me just talk about a few things that are going to have to happen if we're going to reach our city for Jesus Christ. If we're going to compel people so that God's house might be full of the people that he's calling from the highways and the byways. Some of you, let me challenge you, your idea, as soon as you hear the house of God full, in your mind you say, what about me? Or you thinking, what about what I want? Or what, what about my rights? What about my seat? And that kind of servant, hey, you don't make it to the banquet. The, those who make it to the banquet are the ones who are willing to say, you take the seat. You take the seat. I'm going to host you. What would you like, sir? I'm going to serve you. Oh, by the way, the king, the king here, he's my dad. He's my father. God is already your father. Don't be insecure. Welcome others and host them so that they might experience the goodness of God. Is that okay? Great. Here are a few things that City Hill, we got to bear in mind as we go into the future. Number one, when they come, when they come from the highways and the byways, when God fills his house, number one, we need to be aware that there's going to be all kinds of people Diversity shall mark us as a church. What do I mean by that? It's ever so important for us to realize that our city is extremely diverse. Even as Patrick had people stand here at the front, did you see how many nationalities? And by the way, if you say, I'm just going to be with my tribe, with my clan, with my people, and just going to look after them and make sure we in our tribe, we're okay, we cannot go call people from the highways. We're not ready yet. Can I just say that? If, who is from the Philippines here? Raise up your hand. Guys, if it's, if, if it's just your tribe, you cannot reach the city. Can I challenge you? Do you, not, do you like the challenge? Who is from India? If it's just your tribe, guys, you're not going to reach the city. Who is from Africa? Not many. Guys, can I just say, if... If your target, if in your mind is just Africa and African people, you gravitate towards just African people, you're not going to welcome an Indian person as they come in to come and sit at the table. God is saying, oh, if you're from Kerala, just to justify, to appease people's conscience, you cannot do it. From Europe? Malta? Yeah. All right. Can I just say this? Diversity is quite costly. It comes at a price. But God is saying, you cannot reach the city without diversity. 
which means as we call people, we don't just call people, we're calling people from different backgrounds. To have a Filipino eating curry if an Indian while they're learning about the Ukraine, I think it's the most amazing diversity. Church, let's, let, it, let it not just be our clothes, let it be our hearts. Let's go out there and bring them in. They will change the way we think. They will change the way we, we look at everything. It's okay. It's okay because the feast is for them. And I even hate the fact that I'm using the they and them because I want everyone here to be part of the feast together. Does that make sense? Number two, faith and work. And before I touch on that, by the way, one of the things we want to do is that we want to make sure that everyone who comes in from different backgrounds feel like Sitil is their home. And because of that, we will be um, buying their translation devices so that for the nationalities where they need to translate uh, some of the t talks, we can actually be able to provide the translation devices so that their languages can be also be represented. Does that make sense? We need to be radical in diversity. And we need to celebrate the diversity that we have among us. Number two, faith and work. People come to Dubai because of work. Who came to Dubai because of work? Pretty much everyone, um, except for a few who might say, God called me to Dubai. Brilliant, you're probably at the forefront of all that we are doing. Um, work brought you here, but really, God brought you here. You know that? And God brought you here, not just to serve work, but to serve his kingdom, right? But what we don't want to do is we don't want to say work is an, it's a, we don't want to demonize work. We don't want to idolize work. But we want to redeem work. And that's why it's important for us to continue to talk and celebrate work in this church. And to also help people to really find the place for work in the kingdom of God. To say God loves work and God wants to redeem work. Don't feel bad that you have a job. And don't feel bad that you are serving in the city. But this is how you do it. Let, let work not be your idol. But equally, we'll, God loves work. And that's why he's placed you there. He's placed you there so that you might set an example. So you might be a fruitful instrument of his kingdom. So we're going to do this if faith and work are brought together and they are not the twin that shall not meet. Number three, care for the broken and the marginalized. So diversity. Jesus brought lots of people from different backgrounds. Faith and work. As they came in, they came in because they, something else brought them there. And three, the care for the broken and the marginalized. Jesus says the crippled, the lame, everything. Let me just, let me say this. The city is full of this. The city is full of the marginalized, the broken, the crippled, the lame, the lepers. If you actually ask people in the city how they're doing, you will realize that our city is really broken. A lot of you are here and you are lonely. You go home now and when you get home, there really is not much for you to do. There's no, nobody calls you, nobody talks to you, nobody wants to find out how you are doing. And that saddens your heart. And I just want to say, God wants us to reach out to the marginalized, 
to reach out to the broken, to reach out to the have-nots and say, we are here, we want to be your family. I'm so excited about CTK and I believe it's going to help us as an instrument. It's not just something that the ladies are doing there in their corners, they are thinking, this is something for us as a church to reach out to the city, to care and heal the city together. Are we up for it? Yeah. Amen. Number three, we need to appreciate the creativity of, of the city. Do you know what? Every city is creative, extremely creative. I come from a very small town, a village actually. It's about 8,000 people. <laughs> but they call it the artist haven. It's full of artists. It's full of some of the, some of the really famous artists who've sold paintings to some of the big brands to like Oprah Winfrey and many others. It's well known if you come from our country. People go there to buy good paintings, etc. But it's a very small town. And we had, in my church, we had one of our elders that we I used to work with. He was an artist. Well, he still is. He's an artist. And he's, he sold paintings to people all over the world. And he's so creative. I tell you what, his creativity used to shape the way we used to do things. And because God had given him this gift of creativity, and he was able to use it, not just in the world, but he was able to redeem it into the church and use it to the glory of God. And we used to be so amazed and say, wow, God can use everything. And I just want to say, people as they come in, they will come in and bring the gifts and their creativity and their skill. Let's not say, oh, no, no, we don't want that in the church. Do you, do you, do you know... This would have been many, many, many years ago to have instruments like this. People, half the church would have sit, sat outside and said, oh, no, we don't want that because we don't want instruments in the house of the Lord. But now they're so part of us, aren't they? And we get the creativity that helps us to worship God. And let me say this. We will, let's be welcoming to the creativity that's going to help us to worship God. Is that okay? Number four, Flexibility. The city is always changing. You took a big step to come to the city, to come to Dubai, because you were making that radical step of risk. You took risk to come to Dubai. And let me say this, the city is not risk averse. If as a church we are risk averse, we are very nervous of taking risk, we will not change this city. If God brought 70 people tomorrow to be sit here, what would we do? Would we change things to accommodate them? Would we change the sitting and everything? we got to always be willing to do that. To not say, oh, no, 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 we haven't done that. I can't do that. Hey, we're in a city where all of us came here and took a step. There's change all the time. The city is changing all the time. If we as a church don't catch up, we'll be on the back foot. Let's be flexible in the way that we see things. Number six, let's build deep relationships. What do I mean by building deep relationships? We are here at the banquet. You can get by in Dubai and be okay and not really be okay in your heart because we know how to sell our face. Do you know that? But God wants us. To just reveal about who we truly are. When I sit down and talk to you, when I reach out to you, to not just say, hey, how are you doing? I'm okay. To say, how are you really doing? To really know people from the heart. To really 
be a church that loves from the heart to not just build shallow relationship. Even when we go to the park, that's all well and good. And I love that and I celebrate that. But let me just say this to you. That's very shallow. God wants us to go deeper than that. He wants us to be in one another's lives. Only then would we be able to change the city. Because when people come and they have all kinds of baggage, are we just going to say, no, 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 I just love to be able to converse with you, but I don't want to go into all that you're facing right now. Church, let's build a deep, deep relationship where we are deep. We have not done well in this, and I want us to do well in this. And lastly, let evangelism be a priority. I believe that we are coming into this year to evangelize the city. God is calling us to go to the highways and to the byways to call people in. And this year, let's always believe that as we gather like this, God wants to save people here. Let's always be believers that this month we're going to see salvation in this church. Let's be believers that, hey, this year... We want to see people, hundreds, come to faith in Jesus Christ. And only then would we be able to say, Lord, your house is full now. We cannot fill the house if we live in this life of comfort, a life of Friday, a life of just coasting. Let's live for Jesus during this time. Are we up for that? for listening visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about city hill church